0: Hey, my friends, as we all know, this long chapter of our lives continues to be challenging. So when I heard about a fellow Pilates instructor's studio in Toronto, Canada, being broken into and vandalized, I knew I wanted to help. Lily Viola, the owner of Lily Viola Pilates Studio, opened the first classical studio in Toronto and takes pride in developing a supportive community where everyone feels at home. It's a place that honors Joseph Pilati's work and provides focused, quality instruction. After waiting for months to reopen and working diligently behind the scenes, reconfiguring the space and making it safe for her clients, now Lily has to deal with buying a computer, printer, and other items necessary to run her business. Please consider donating to her GoFundMe campaign, and any amount will help. If you'd like to learn more about Lily studio, you can visit lilyviola-pilates.com. And with that, welcome to all things Pilates. I'm Darian Gold. Arms come down. Make sure that front leg is bent and reach up, 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 up. Good. And again, and exhale and exhale and deepen your exhale as the carriage comes in. Today, we have with us Simona Cipriani and Joe Muscolino, a wife and husband powerhouse. They impart Pilates information from two different perspectives. Simona is a second generation instructor from the Romana Kryzanowska lineage, and Joe is a chiropractor who specializes in manual and movement therapies. They'll be speaking about Pilates and pathologies and how to help Pilates instructors and students handle the various health challenges that may occur. In 2006, Simona became a faculty member of the State University of New York at Purchase College, where she teaches Pilates and has created her Pilates certification program, The Art and Science of Contrology. She also teaches this program internationally, and has presented it at workshops and conferences around the world. Her training in massage therapy and Feldenkrais assists her in offering her students a fuller Pilates experience. In 2004, Simona was part of the massage therapy team at the Summer Olympics in Athens, Greece, and the 2006 Winter Olympics in Torino, Italy. Simona opened her own Pilates studio, The Art of Control, Initially in Mount Kisco, New York, in 1996, then ten years later she relocated to Purchase College for another decade, and finally four years ago opened the Art of Control Pilates Studio in Stamford, Connecticut. Simona created a DVD series in 2014 that includes pre-pilates through to the advanced level. Joe, the other half of this dynamic duo conducts hands-on manual and movement therapy workshops to movement professionals, both nationally and internationally. Drawing on his education and 30 years of experience, Joe authored eight major publications that include the Muscle and Bone Palpation Manual, with trigger points, referral patterns, and stretching, and the Muscular System Manual, the Skeletal Muscles of the Human Body. A practitioner doesn't even have to speak English, as Joe's books have been translated into nine other languages. Joe's prolific writing has also been featured in publications such as the Massage Therapy Journal and the Massage and Body Work magazine. Now, Joe is very busy with his new endeavor, a streaming video service which offers two distinct programs, Learning Muscles, Continuing Education and Muscles Anatomy Masterclass. Writing is an avenue that has worked well for both Simona and Joe individually, but together they've also written Pilates articles for the Journal of Body Work and Movement Therapies and Pilates Style Magazine. Zooming in to discuss how they combine and apply their two disciplines with students are Simona Cipriani and Joe Muscalino. Hello, Simona and Joe. Thank you for coming on to the show today. Hi, Darianne. Hi there. All right. So I have to ask you right in the very beginning how did you two meet?
1: Okay. I'll start on that one. Um, Simona had been a student of mine at the Connecticut Center for Massage Therapy. I taught primarily science classes there. And after she was done being a student, she invited me to teach a workshop at her Pilates studio. And it was the first time I had ever integrated kinesiology, the study of anatomy physiology of the musculoskeletal myofascial skeletal system, to a lot of words, actually neuromyofascial skeletal is a better term, um, to movement, Pilates. And uh, it didn't help that afterwards there was a party for one of her instructor's birthdays with this amazing chocolate raspberry cake from a French bakery.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what does that mean? What does that mean, Joe?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, up until up until the party with the cake, I only thought of it as a very professional, but then there was a casual party afterwards and we got to chat and I came to know oh. her as a person and um and then from there it began, yeah. Oh,
0: so it was over a dessert. Mm-hmm. Simona,
2: is that is that what really happened? Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. I actually, I, you know, having had Joe for three terms, actually, he started with uh, teaching the anatomy and physiology. Um, The first semester was um, a bit on the, um, you know, stiff side. So he was very strict. And you know, this is how you have to study. And this is what's good for you and all that. And then the, the second semester was a little bit more interesting. It was about neurological uh, things. So it was more like a little bit more relaxed, a little more out there. And so that was like, <laughs> he's getting, you know, it's getting a little bit more flexible and and funny and all that. And then the third semester on um, the kinesiology, we I, I just, um, I fell in love with him because he was just so great you know great in teaching like i could see the you know the real personality and everything that he really puts into the teaching is so passionate about it and so yeah so that was really the how it went on my side and then of course after you know school was over then it was very easy to get the conversation going because we had so many things in common in terms of uh, you know people and obviously client and patients and what's interesting about movement in general. So it was a really organic way of uh, picking up a conversation.
0: By the third semester, you were falling for this gentleman. How did you stay focused?
2: Um, I had to stay focused because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, studying English and science was not easy for me obviously by, you know, coming from a different country and learning a different language and uh, science was always very scary to me in terms of learning because it was never my uh, forte in school. And so maybe that was part of it too, that it made it everything very accessible and very, you know, available, even when you didn't have a strong scientific background You know, I really understood that if you have a good teacher and it really breaks it down for you and gives you step by step, that you can also really learn something that maybe it wasn't possible before.
0: After the third semester, and you probably most likely got A's. (laughs) Because I study a lot. Yes. Yes. And you you, you wanted to impress your future husband. (laughs) <laughs> Did you know early on that the two of you would be working together? Did it seem like an obvious fit?
2: Um, I'm not sure if it was obvious. I know that uh, Joe liked to do some sports. He was playing tennis and he was active, always pretty actively physically. I don't know like if I could just imagine that he would go right into Pilates or doing things like that with me. But I knew that um, the love we have for both education and, you know, wellness and movement therapy or any kind of therapy, that that would bring us somehow together. Yeah.
0: And Joe, what for you has been the, or one of the most satisfying parts of coming together? Pilates and perhaps mm-hmm. otherwise.
1: I, two thoughts come to mind. The first one is that I was mostly involved. they still am, probably more, but I'm mostly I was mostly involved in the world of manual therapy. Uh, I would teach massage therapists, physical therapists, uh, chiropractic physicians. It was through Simona that I entered more into the world of movement therapy, which. Is very dynamic, right? Movement is dynamic by definition. And it was also more challenging uh, to relate the concepts, the underlying fundamental concepts of, again, that term kinesiology, which is musculoskeletal anatomy and phys, to oh, mechanics, biomechanics could be substituted, to movement, which is constantly changing in positions, joint angles, forces, etc. So that was. Um, enriching for me from the very beginning. And then the other part is that I'm much more linear in my thought process. And Simona is much more intuitive and creative. And I think she kind of flies a little more, but I keep her more grounded. (laughs) And she kind of lifts me up from being quite so A, B, C, D. So some of the things we can accomplish together um, are greater than I think Speaking for me, I could ever have accomplished on my own. So I feel that we have a really nice synergy in that particular regard. Also, because my world is here, it's like one sphere, and her world is in a similar sphere, but they're not, they they overlap a bit, but they're not fully overlapping. So there's this congruent area where things come together, but we can enrich each other's sphere by the rest of our experience and knowledge base.
0: Would that show up in terms of new students coming in and how you assess them? Do you naturally assess, let's say a chiropractic patient and a Pilates student, you assess them individually, but are there times when you come together to work with, at least in the Pilates world?
1: Uh, I'll start there, I guess. So first, uh, in a few worlds, because we have a health and fitness center that has a full Pilates um, studio with apparatus, multiple apparatus, et cetera. But there's also myself as a chiropractic physician, another chiropractic physician, an acupuncturist, a massage therapist. Uh, So we have that situation where uh, they are literally, I mean, literally, uh, this is what, uh, Tuesday, uh, the end of last week. I did some work and assessment on one of Simona's clients. And tomorrow, um, I'm coming in to do something again with another one of her clients. And most all of my patients, uh, well, all, every one of my patients, I very often like to say, I might be able to get you well, but I can't keep you well. If you want to keep well, then you need to be physically active. And to me, the one best method of body conditioning is Pilates. If not, I'll recommend yoga or fitness training or anything they'll do. Swimming, running, whatever it might be. So a lot of my patients then become Pilates clients. And you know what? I don't see them as often in the future. That's
0: good and bad, I guess.
1: Well, no, that's it. The, the first goal was for someone to be healthy. So that's good.
0: Yes. Simona, when a new new student comes to you, do you have a very specific way. You remember when Romana would always tell us to watch somebody walk forward and back. Absolutely. You do something like that before you get them on the reformer.
2: Yes. I think I get, if I talk to them on the phone and I take the appointment, I like to speak with them just to get a sense of who they are. Um, just, with their voice, you know, with the tone of voice, how they speak, what kind of words they like to use. And of course, when they walk in the studio, I notice how they walk in, you know, their mannerism and um, their posture. I, I observe them when they sit down to take their shoes off and how they, you know, so all these little tiny details are very important for me just to have a little bit of a bigger picture. But the most important thing is when I see them move. Movement for me is the um, uh, the way I re- it gives me really um, more insights because when I see them moving, I see what's moving, what's not moving, what they choose to do. You know, even though I m- might say something to them specifically. I, I just notice if they chose not to go in that direction or what direction they went to. It's a really important reading time for me.
1: You know, and Darian, I'm sorry to step in, but um, to to more of your question from before too. It's not just in our center with common patients, clients that we uh, work together, but we've done workshops in the United States and around the world where. Uh, sometimes it's, I step in and talk about the foundational anatomy of something, and then Simona steps in and brings someone up onto, you know, apparatus or mat there and begins bringing them through movement and then, uh, putting into action, some of the concepts I brought out, but then bringing out her frankly, tremendous eye for what's called either body reading or, or being able to see someone's posture and movement. So, we also work together that way, and we write articles together, and we're doing our book together. So, there are multiple ways that we do work together in that fashion beyond just what I had mentioned before.
0: And the fact that it is so comprehensive makes future Pilates instructors probably not only more capable, but they have a, a larger grasp over what's possible with our work. But with this foundation that Joe was talking about, because we didn't have that, I always asked for that way back when, but that was just never, that was never a focus. And I think because especially Romana believed in the work so much that even if you didn't know anything other than the actual repertoire, the person you're working with would be fine, would be taken care of.
2: Yeah. If I, if I just step in for a second is um like I was saying to you, you were saying to about Romana observing people walking on the street, right? She always taught, taught us about how to observe people moving, you know, whether or not it's working, walking in the studio or walking down the street uh, that was a really big thing for her as well. And I, I also wanted to add that, you know, obviously I, I, Uh, feel comfortable about my intuition. Like I feel comfortable that, that what I feel, what I see, it's what it really is for me to have a sense of what that person, you know, needs or, but it's really wonderful to have someone else going to, like you're saying, that can actually uh, fortify or say, you know, yes, you know, everything you said to me, all your observation and all your intuition feelings or whatever about this person is in fact correct but then it goes on and says this is why it's correct or this might not be why you know it's incorrect or why is is incorrect so then we talked about more like the scientific part or you know the postural uh, assessment thing and you know what kind of exercise to do or not to do so that that's really reinforcing everything that you think, you know, it's, um, it, it's a good feeling that you, you ran the right, you know, path, you ran the right path.
1: Look, Darren, I'll, I'll add a little more into that too. And that is that I think that if you have a client who has a perfect body and no injuries and everything is symmetrical, that you can simply bring about the choreographed, routine, whatever level it is, whatever apparatus, mat, etc., and just literally follow it like an automaton and they will improve tremendously. So, but I have never met someone with a perfect body and someone with no pathologic conditions in their past or their present. And then comes the artistry of being a Pilates instructor. And that is knowing how to choose amongst the 500 exercises, which ones you choose for them and knowing how to modify those exercises appropriately for that person. And that requires you to come at it one or another way or ideally both ways. And I think sometimes this one or the other becomes this binary decision that some people feel like, no, no, just be intuitive. Just look, don't think through this. Don't get stuck in your brain. And other people are like, no, no, you have to have a evidence-based research for why you're doing what you're doing, is if someone, Simona was a professional ballet dancer, Romano was a professional ballet dancer, they're naturally going to be more intuitive. I did not have that kind of a background. I was active, but I never had that kind of a pursuit with movement. So my approach is much more linear for critical thinking to go through the steps. Uh, if someone is lucky enough to be unbelievably intuitive, then maybe they never need to learn the science. Maybe. I think it's always going to help them. Simona, even though she's, what's that? Like Joe. Like Joe Pilates. Well,
2: I think like Romana mostly, yeah. Because I think Joseph Pilates, um, I believe he actually had a lot of knowledge about the body. Through self-study self-study but also through yes yeah, sutras yeah yeah books and you know you see these pictures in the studio as well about the anatomy of the body even the visceral i believe i saw pictures of that on this wall but yeah but like romana for instance i know romana might have not had uh an extended uh if knowledge about the you know anatomy but he did but she did so that was the point i think joe was making that um Know she had a a great sense of movement, kinesiology, intuition that she was great no matter what. Yeah,
1: I don't see how it could ever hurt to marry the two ends together to be able to go left brain, right brain, both brains, (laughs) and be able to hence
0: we have the dynamic duo. Um,
1: She's Batman, (laughs) I'm Robin in that case, but um, (laughs) yeah, I, I so I think that anybody can benefit from having that ability to critically think so they can creatively apply. And then even if someone is absolutely intuitive and knows exactly what to do for their client, if you are going to interact with other health professionals, then it might be incumbent upon you to be able to express in words and in words that are understood to health professionals, which usually means kinesiology, terminology, medical ease, so that maybe they don't automatically believe that Pilates is great, but when you can speak professionally and communicate well to them, that will buy them over much more quickly and permanently.
0: I, I agree. Joe, when you talked about pathology and today's topic is Pilates and pathologies, what is a pathology and what are pathologies?
1: Okay. Well, first off, I'm going to say I love roots of words. And if you go back to the word pathos, then the root of that word is emotion. So someone who is empath- empathetic, empathic, or sympathetic, um, they have feelings and people with pathologies. And if we're talking neuro, myo, fascio, skeletal, and I don't want to leave out nervous system, neuro, and I don't want to leave out fascia for everyone who understands the importance of fascia. But the typical word that's used is musculoskeletal. So for anyone with a musculoskeletal injury of any sort, whether it's structural to tissue or functional in how the nervous system interprets your role in the world, then they're usually not going to be, yes, I am hurting. It is horrible. I cannot move. They're going to have emotions. And I think that's where the root of the word pathology came. But pathology means some type of Injury, whether it's repeated micro trauma leading to something or one big macro trauma injury that we normally associate with the word injury. So something is wrong structurally or functionally. And at that point, it's a matter of trying to see if we can A, slow down the progression, B, stop the progression of it, C, make them somewhat better, or D, make them all the way better or E, make them even better than they were before. And you either need to have an eye for where they have these dysfunctions, or you need to be able to take a step back, stop and say, oh, the pelvis is low on the right, the leg is short on the right, they're dropping their arch, because they're dropping their arch, pelvis dropped down, they have a scoliotic curve to compensate, et cetera, et cetera, and say, well, how can I bring the arch back? Well, which muscles strengthen? the arch. Oh, those muscles. Which muscles might be leading toward a dropped arch because they're overly tight? Oh, it's these. I strengthen these. I loosen these. Or you simply make them work symmetrically to try to hopefully bring them back that way. How's that? Does it
0: mean if some... That's good. That's good. And now I have five more questions. Does it mean that if someone comes to Simona and he or she has an injury, there's pathology happening because of the injury, right?
1: Well, the injury is the pathologic condition. Okay, to be fair. Okay, in just in, in in terms, yeah, terminology. Then
0: this person works with Simona and they heal. They get better, even better. What you were um, suggesting? Does that mean they no longer have a pathological? Condition because that injury is now healed.
1: I'll step in real quickly, and Somo to go far, further into this. First of all, in my opinion, no injury is ever one hundred percent forgotten by the body. Um, it's very rare. If there's structural damage, there'll usually be some type of scar tissue that's there, and that scar tissue is usually never as elastic and giving as what the original functional tissue was. And that doesn't mean they can't become even better in their health than they were before, but it's because of compensations that you do to make them healthier, right? You can increase the stretch for the rest of the tissue around, et cetera. And even functionally, if there's no actual integrity loss, the nervous system remembers that there was an injury and it will always be a little more vigilant to say, oh, she injured me here before, he injured me here before, and he's starting to stress the area, I'm going to tighten the muscles and splint and armor and protect the area quicker than they would have before. Now, if you get yourself healthy long enough, then that might be so long forgotten that it is no longer very, it's, it's negligible. But I do want to say, I think that every injury leaves some mark, but the Pilates instructor can usually come in there and depending on the circumstance, very often bring them to where they were, and far better, even if there's still something in there that is not fully healthy.
2: Simona?: So obviously, uh, I think everything needs to have a name, right, for people to be able to recognize something. So it, you know, if we give it a name, like I have a pathology that it's called herniation of the disc, that people can also be a little bit more familiar with that. You know, there's also other names, pathologies, where I think they use names to just say, we don't know what that is, you know, like fibromyalgia, for instance, or something like that. So in our case, in terms of Pilates instructors, I think we need to make sure that obviously we understand the situation and that we look Uh, First of all, not to make any things difficult or to worsen the situation. So make, you know, do no harm also applies to us. And then movement is our first uh, important thing for clients to be able to feel that even if they do something or they have something, they can still be active, they can still move and go forward in their life. So, I think what's important for a Pilates instructor is one, recognize what it is so that we don't make it worse. And, second of all, to notice what they can do easily and then start working from there. And then look for where they're lacking, you know, movement or they're lacking their sense of confidence in that particular area or particular equipment or particular, you know, path, uh, path of movement. So I, I think if we're putting all that together, then we're able to make them feel that they can still uh, be uh, comfortable and not fearing that they have to lock joints or lack movement or avoid certain things that they love to do just because we have this pathology. So that's where my approach is. That's what I start to do. And I see and I notice that when people feel better, a little easier, they don't fear to move. They are feeling that they actually are getting the circulation going, getting the breath going, doing a little stretch here, a little abs there. Then they can feel a little more at ease for whatever that is.
0: Then if we take that idea and that concept to Pilates instructors, I know that you have said that fear is just a lack of knowledge. How do you help teachers who might lack their own confidence with working with an injured student? What can you say to these type of instructors they just don't have the background or the experience so someone comes to them and they have a big injury or they're coming off their post surgical what can you say to these types of instructors that that lack the confidence
2: well i mean we have an incredible method right we have a system we have a system so if you have learned the system you also learned, like Joe was mentioning before, you learned uh, progressions, you learn the variations, you learn modifications. So you learned to ask your client, how does that feel? You learned how to look at the move, what they move and how they move. You also learned to ask the doctor, making sure that you're doing the right thing. So communication doesn't have to be directly with the client. Maybe perhaps it could be directly with their physician or physical therapist or massage therapist or whoever they go to, to just reinforce that what you're doing, just to reinforce that what you're doing is the right way to go, right? So yes, of course I I mean, the first thing I want to say is learn your anatomy, no matter what, it's your body. It's not just the person you're working with. It's just your own instrument. And if you don't know your instrument and you don't feel it in your body, you don't understand why the progression that they taught us have a purpose, then why the number one exercise comes number one and not three, four, five, there is an. A natural progression also of the pattern of the movement that we're teaching, then just do it for yourself. And then, you know, once you learn a little more, even if it's a little more, then you'll be able to understand better the method. You'll be able to actually appreciate what we learned, and then you can easily make it easy for the client to understand it. Okay. Yes, you have sciatica, and if it's very scary for you to, to say, I have sciatica, then you say, okay, this is sciatica. It's just you know, an inflammation of the nerves. Everybody has that nerve. Everybody can possibly get it inflamed. And when it's not hurting, because it's not acute, you come to the studio, I'll show you beautiful stretches that we do with that, you know, because I've been there. I've helped so many people with sciatica. They couldn't even move. They couldn't drive. They couldn't go to work. And, you know, we all, we have amazing things we could do through that method that makes people just feel that they are progressing and slowly changing. And they also not in pain. So, you know, it's a matter of, uh, understanding how to teach a step-by-step making sure that you don't fear these words, make sure that they understand what the words mean and tell them that um, we have a a very comprehensive method that uh, most of the time, I would say 99.9% would help the person.
0: This is why it's so important. Even those who didn't learn the work through Romana or any of the other Joe Pilates disciples. This is why it's so important to understand the entire system and to have the entire system in your body. And that's what you're suggesting so that teachers don't feel like they can't address some kind of injury pathology that's happening in a student that comes to them, that they have enough knowledge in their own body. so. You're suggesting that teachers need to do, continue to do their own practice, their own continuing education, and we'll get to Joe's online courses in a moment, but Joe, yeah, don't take an hour, but go ahead and respond to what.
1: <laughs> okay. So I'll just try and lay out a few things that came to my mind as Simona was addressing that. So first, um, anyone that you know becomes certified through Simona with her instructor training program, um, they have an six, approximate 600-hour program, and they're in the studio on a regular basis, and Simone is there and very hands-on, and she has regular meetings with the apprentices on an ongoing basis, and when they're done, most people live in the area, and they're back in the studio to take lessons, or some might become teachers there, and there's, there's this uh, a mentor-mentee relationship that continues. It's not like they finish and they're cut adrift. Like so, we were <laughs> uh, on a regular basis. I, uh, well, I mean, your you, your world with Sean and, and Romana, and then Romana, and then Shari, you know, your world kind of became topsy turvy, um, and that made it very challenging and difficult. But Simona has a real community with her people, so for just the Pilates, when you have that extensive a training program and you have it that thorough and how it approaches, that's one thing. A second thing, and this is funny that Simone is touting anatomy more than I might be, um, but so I'll say this. If you learn your anatomy, which means structure, then you can figure out physiology, which means function. And if you know physiology, you can figure out pathophysiology, which is altered function. And if you know pathophysiology, you can figure out assessment. And if you can know your assessment, you can figure out your treatment now. You folks might not be comfortable using treatment in that term, but to me, movement professionals are doing musculoskeletal treatment, and they're very often doing it far better than chiropractors, orthopedists, and people who are physicians and physical therapists. So it all stems from knowing anatomy, and anatomy sounds fancy and scary, but it's just Latin for up cut. Anabolic steroids build up your body and tome. Means cut. The tome is like a, pay, a book of pages, cut pages. Anatomy cut up. They cut it up and they looked at these pieces they had and they named them. That's all it is. Anatomy is a big naming game, which is mostly Latin based. It's 75% of English comes from Latin. We might be a Germanic language from the point of view of grammar construction, but from vocabulary, almost every Latin term has an English cognate that you can look at and say, oh, I see why that's what it is. So you don't even really have to memorize anatomy that much. You can look for similar terms in English. So once you know your anatomy, which frankly doesn't thrill me that much, anatomy is boring, it's naming, but function, physiology is exciting. So anatomy gives you physiology, gives you pathophysiology, gives you assessment, gives you treatment, which means everything in some level, if it comes from critical thinking in the mind, comes from knowing your anatomy.
0: Do you lay that out online? Always.
1: It's always. fantastic. Yes. Yeah. I always look at things from a point of view of mechanics. And mechanics, and this is another thing, we use Newtonian mechanics that began in what, 1687 when or in 89 when Newton published his book. And this, those same mechanics exist today. I mean, Einstein upgraded it, but our clients aren't moving at the speed of light. So Einsteinian mechanics don't change physical mechanics of Pilates and movement and all that. And people know mechanics in their own body. It's just a matter of taking a step back and putting fancy words and seeing how it fits step A, B, C, D. And if I always like with my students to say, listen, you're not going to know everything as soon as we say it and go over it. But once you've heard it once, you're, in, you're going to next time go, oh, yeah, that, that's right. I've heard that, which is better than the first time you hear it, right. which is, huh? Right. So, oh, yeah, is always better than huh. And you need to be patient with yourself that it takes time with a good textbook, a good instructor, good online resources, whatever, to be comfortable with this. But when it's taught in a step-by-step approach, each step is easy and simple. And that's what it's really about is finding a way to make it approachable.
0: Do you two have a success story that you can share with our listeners using chiropractic, other manual therapies and Pilates, a guy or gal comes to you injured?
2: I mean, um, if I can step in, um, after almost 30 years of teaching, and also I'm sure Joe as well, in terms of being a chiropractor, there's been many, many uh, successful successful stories. They're not like incredible, but it, it, in terms of their own element of what they needed to achieve, they have achieved it pretty quickly. You know, I mean, Pilates is-, is Both of you together, with both of you, both
0: of your modalities um, together.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because what happens is, like, like Joe jo said before, he's able to quickly take- that pain right out of that joint or the body parts, you know, just maybe three, four at the most, and then they're doing well, they can move, they can go back to work and whether or not it's a joint problem or the muscle. I mean, Joe is incredible with muscle too. It's not like the typical chiropractor where you go there, you're being adjusted and you're done, which is it's great. I mean, people are, you know, really good at it. But he also spends a lot of time talking with the client, figured out why, where is in the muscle. He does massage therapy, you know, the physical therapy with the machine. So they get better right away. But then the problem is what causes it? What, you know, what was the cause of that problem and how do we not go back to that place, whether or not it's posture or some kind of pattern that they do while they're working, or maybe it's something psychologically that they are to, you know, then that's where we come to, you know, that's where we come in, right? And so Joe and I uh, have multiple uh, client slash patient that we worked with uh, each other and together. And they don't go to see him very often, but once in a while, they have to go there because they get a little bit more, you know, stiff on the neck or lower, you know, they still have a low back issue. But with, you know, with us communicating with each other, like for instance, even just a few days ago, I said to Joe, you know, I'm going to send you this person again, because that was a person that he already saw before, but this time I want you to measure it. You know, I still feel that there's something going on there in terms of this different level on the pelvis and legs. And that's what he did. So now, you know, we have made sure that that person now is, you know, more level. Yeah. So it's like even small little things like that really makes a huge difference in the client's life. And they can feel that they can go to him and and ask him the question about the actual science part. You know they can come to me to make the, you know, the, the shifting in terms of the exercise that they can do at home. And it's a team, it's a team of work. And that's what, that's what I love the most.
1: Yeah, very, I'll say it's, it's a little hard to answer that question because I'm trying to think how I can answer it without betraying confidentiality, but I'm thinking of one patient client of ours from Westport, if I can say that much, Simona, who saw Simona regularly, but I kind of began with him more. And actually he also got acupuncture. I mean, he did a number of things, and he got to a point where he became very strong and sufficient and self-stably sufficient to be able to no longer need to really see me so that he could really continue on with Pilates. I can think of a particular client of Simona's from New York City uh, who was supposed to have surgery for a disc Mm -hmm. problem, and I saw him once for an assessment to give Simona more depth and breadth on it. But he never had the surgery, and he ended up being fully functional and fine. I can think of a patient of mine who lived a little bit away from us, so she didn't see Simona for Pilates, but she came in to see me a number of times, and then Simona recommended a Pilates instructor in her area. And this woman actually almost died, and when she was first seeing me, she was in a wheelchair. And she was actually groggy and out of it. Just she got a scratch in her ankle from a cheap pair of plastic sandals that led to an infection that led to her being hospitalized. That led to her entire system coming down. And I'm trying to remember why she was even first brought into me. She had been a patient before, but she gradually through Pilates, beginning on a reformer because she couldn't stand and do exercise. And Joe Pilates realized that something like a reformer or a Cadillac allow someone to have more stability lying down and don't, they don't need to be as stressed in their body with exercise as standing up and doing jumping jacks. I'm, I'm being a little facetious here. But she gradually went from a, a wheelchair to a cane, to walking unsteadily without a cane, to walking fine. And she used to come to my office toward the end and as other patient would come in when she was leaving, this man saved my life. And like, I'm blushing and it wasn't me. It was the Pilates that saved her life but it was another classical instructor that Simona had referred her to. So most of the time I look at my role as being to get someone out of their acute stage and get them to a point where they're stable enough that the exercise is safer for them. And I know that there are people that might disagree, but when it comes to a marriage of manual and movement therapy, I think manual therapy is safer in the beginning to get rid of the very tight spots, the compressed joints, et cetera, if I I make it sound a little too simple, pinch nerves, and then to get them to where they're more stable to be able to take the physical stress of the exercises to be able to go from there. And I really want to make a point that all manual and movement therapies are by definition stressors to the body. If you do a little too much, they'll get hurt more. But if you do just the right amount, each stressor asks for a little bit of change, a little more of a stressor, a little more of a change, a little more, even better change, a little too much, you blow them out. So I think that manual therapy is a safer beginning. And then I think that movement therapy, Pilates, just brings them all the rest of the way. And I'll repeat, I don't see the people who do Pilates with Simona regularly that often, except for occasional exacerbations and tune-ups. And that to me is the amazing thing about Pilates. It does strength, flexibility, and proper neural control. And I think it does it better than any other one method of body conditioning.
0: Okay, so now I have to ask you, do you practice Pilates? (laughs)
1: <laughs> and now I can so proudly say, so I will say that I was a little oh, bit no. on and off for a lot of years. No, no, no. I'm just going back in that I played tennis regularly. Um, I used to be a runner. And at a certain point, I went to cardiovascular in a gym, largely because of a lot of history of heart disease in my family that I felt that cardiovascular was essential. But I had a disc herniation coming back from a trip to, uh, I was in Korea and then I was in uh, teaching in Dubai and then teaching in um, uh, in Qatar. And I, I had long trips and I ended up with a disc herniation. And although I had done reformer periods of time in the past, loved reformer, but never stayed regularly, after that surgery and I was still traveling again, I logged 90,000 miles on airplanes last year, I went to Pilates mat. And Pilates mat is what brought me back.
0: Okay, wait a second. Oh, that almost rhymes. Wait a second. Are you... S- are you... S- <laughs> Are you saying that because you were on an airplane and different kinds of cars for those 90,000 miles or whatever, all that sitting created the environment for you to have a disc issue?
1: Well, I think that was part of it. Sitting is more stressful for the spine than standing is, than walking is. So that led to part of it. And then I remember when I was teaching in Qatar that I taught for three straight days and then I saw patients. They wanted me to see patients. And I saw patients like 10 hours oh. on one day and uh, after work on the other days. And, and it, it was just, um, I think it was an accumulation. And I wasn't exercising when I was traveling as regularly because I wasn't playing tennis. And I didn't have the Pilates reformer. So it was a combination of things. But I've been doing Pilates mat every day, five, six days a week regularly for the last, uh, year and a half ish. And I'm i I'm at an intermediate mat level with, I will, you know, I really say this. One of my favorite sayings, Darian is follow the person who seeks truth. Beware of the person who has found it. I don't Love think it. there's anyone choreographed Pilates routine that is always going to be right for everybody. So I knew I had the ultimate stamp of approval when a month or two ago, Simona saw me working out and said, you have a nice little routine there. Because I was not doing the routine in order because for me, after the 100, I can't do the roll-up. At least I never used to be able to. I was too stiff. Thinking of doing the roll-up then would have just scared the hell out of me. So I went into single leg stretch, double leg stretch. I did other things and I mixed it up a bit. But now, and I was just talking with a fellow Pilates instructor, apprentice of uh, graduate of Simona's yesterday, and I was saying to him, because he once worked me out and said, you know, when you're ready, you might want to go back to the routine as Joe taught it. I think there's a wisdom to it. And I just said to him yesterday, you know, Joseph, his name is Joseph also. (laughs) um, (laughs) I think that I now feel strong and stable enough that I might be able to go back and reorder what i'm doing i couldn't have then but maybe i can now to answer your question yes Ye-
0: yes that's that's yes now simona
2: well they only took me 15 years to get him to do the math so um we're going to start the reformer <laughs> very soon <laughs> that's what i was <laughs> going <laughs> to ask you Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Um, But I just wanted to pick up one more thing before on the original question about the people that we shared, um, the patients that we share. And I wanted to just talk about this particular patient because it was very interesting for me, not so much about having him, having had to work with him um, was discovered as I was Uh, teaching him and progressing him, I could sense that there was something off. And I was able to, after a while of observing how the muscles were moving, how I felt the body was reacting to stretching, like the little twitches here and there. And I talked to Joe, I remember the day that I talked to Joe and I said, you know, there's something going on there. And then in fact, unfortunately it was, diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. But I think what's important is also to look for signs and to be able to give the people also some time, right, to recognize and say, oh, okay, well, uh, I might have to go and check it out, you know, because they might not recognize that because they don't have the experience of working with 300 bodies. So, you know, for us to work with different people, we learn so much that we can always use it as a um, alternative way of assessing them. So that that was just a little bit of an experience that, you know, we both had together with that particular client. Going back to, you know, uh, the fact that he's practicing Pilates, wonderful, we actually work out together in the same room. And it's really amazing to see that he's, Coming up with questions is like, oh, now I understand why you said that to me. And now I feel it where I'm supposed to be feeling it. And, um, you know, I can see slowly that he's really accepting the amazing method, but also that he's capable of doing it.
1: Darian, I'll just add one little piece to this about how Pilates affects your entire life. I've played piano for many, many years. With this corona time and more time, it's allowed me to finally go back and start playing to some degree the way I played when I was 18. And I played a piece the other day. And at the age of 61, I went to Simone and said, that is the best I ever played that piece in my entire life, even from when I was younger, because I was able to articulate certain notes and bring them out. And I really feel it was because of Pilates. That that ability to stabilize one part of your body, to be secure and comfortable there and stable, and then to move another part, core stabilization, distal movement, whatever it would be, that it actually did that for me in the world of playing piano. Um, So I'm seeing the fruits of Pilates slowly all over the place in my life. It's amazing.
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the two of you about breathing because after all, Joe, was, Joe Pilates was quoted as saying if there was only one thing that he wanted his students to learn from him, it was to learn how to breathe properly. Simona, what are your thoughts about that?
2: Uh, breathing, for me, I think that for me in terms of through his eyes is that I think that he thought the breathing was essential, not just because we need it to survive and uh, be alive, but it's actually essential to the movement in the sense that without deeper breathing and without being able to expand certain places in the body or exhale so deeply, which not a lot of methods I think really emphasizes are so essential to the movement of the body, mostly the spine and the ribcage, really. So I, I think a lot of people just skipped to, okay, you got to breathe. Okay, that's great. You know, we, we breathe with everything, you know, and there's a lot of yoga breathing techniques that are amazing. But I think his point was number one, to be able to focus on the out breath, the exhale because we're not really breathing out as deep as we could. And obviously, when you're trying to go so deep in your ribcage, you get down to the bottom of your lungs, so you buy by the waistline and you're squeezing all the air out, then, of course, the movement of the inhale comes so easily and everything besides the fact that you're getting oxygen and all this circulation, but it's like moving 12 Pair of ribs plus the spine, it what makes everything else move. So I think the coordination of the movement through the exercises, also like why do we breathe out when we go in the lumbar spine? Why are we breathe in when we do extension or why we do this or that? It's so combined with the movement itself that one helps the other. And I don't see I think that's really what he was after a little bit.
0: Joe. Oh no. (laughs) Condense it.
1: It's a very broad question, Darian. Um, And I'm, I'm trying to think how I can whittle it in. I I guess since my, yeah, my role, I guess is more from the kinesiology mechanics point of view. I just like to say that, You can either look at it very simply as the primary muscle of respiration, which is the diaphragm. And the diaphragm is a dome shaped muscle. And the fibers go from the periphery 360 around to the central dome at top. And effectively, all muscles, a muscle is a very simple thing. A muscle is a pulling machine, it's no more than that. Never make it any more complicated. When a muscle contracts, it it creates a pulling force toward its center. If the pulling force is greater than whatever the resistance is, it will either move bone A to bone B or bone B to bone A. Although in the case of the diaphragm, the other attachment is not a bone. It's the central fibrous tissue dome. So the diaphragm, when it contracts, is either going to lift the rib cage up circumferentially, which will bring the rib cage out theoretically, anteriorly, laterally, laterally. Or it can pull the dome down toward the rib cage, which would then change the size of the thoracic cavity, lungs for breath, going downward, which would give you a belly breath. The rib cage moving is chest breathing or thoracic breathing. And the dome dropping is belly breathing or abdominal breathing. And certainly Joe Pilates, compared to if I were to make two stark examples, and I'll sharpen the points, yoga people tend to do belly breathing. You see them breathe in, you see the belly come outward. Pilates people tend to do more chest breathing. They tend to tighten in their anterior lateral abdominal walls and do more of the rib cage, chest breathing. I I don't want to take a side and say either one is right or wrong because both are good. One of the best answers to every question is it depends. And I will make one general statement that maybe can get me in trouble here is if we were to take each to an extreme I remember once doing teaching a workshop in Dubai, and it was half Pilates and half uh, yoga people. And we were doing palpation of the psoas major, the, and the abdominal pelvic belly. And the yoga people were a breeze to just sink right into their belly and get to the psoas major against the spine. And a lot of the Pilates people, it was really hard to get in because they over... This is a complaint that a lot of PMA Pilates people have about classical Pilates is they say that they're too rigid. And I think that's when you take this belief that if you're supposed to engage your powerhouse during an exercise, that you're then going to keep it engaged every moment of your life. And that's not the case. You're supposed to engage when you need to engage, but then when you're not supposed to be engaging, you're supposed to have a better relaxed tone. So there are a lot of Pilates people that overdo that kind of Engagement of the abdominal wall, chest breathing, and even Joe was a bit chesty there, and that maybe it was the cigars, and maybe it was the fire in his studio, but maybe it was the asthma he had as a kid. I, I just say that's the diaphragm. The diaphragm can help you do chest or belly breathing, and it only helps you breathe in. Breathe out happens naturally from natural recoil. But then there are tons of accessory muscles of respiration that then it gets more complicated and we'll leave that when you want to do a, a conversation on just breathing right for an hour
0: okay thank you that was that was clear okay even great. though it was abbreviated because i know you have 16 more hours to talk about it yeah simona your studio i'm assuming closed the art of control during this covid
2: time or are you have you opened again So I actually came from Korea during the COVID because I was teaching in Korea. So I had to come back a little early for that reason. So I had to travel back home. So I missed the two weeks because I had to be home and do my quarantine before I went to the studio. And at the end of my quarantine, getting very excited to go back to the studio, everything else closed. So I started here in the States. So I started, you know, even earlier in a way. And it's been, uh, it was closed basically from the very, very beginning till June 17th. That's where we actually reopen in Connecticut. And it's open, but a lot of people are not back yet. And uh, we are changed a tremendous amount of things at the studio, obviously, as you can imagine, you know, try to, rush my business into going online and doing videos and meeting with my apprentices on Zoom. And I've been extremely creative in terms of uh, using my imagination to create these workouts at home because, you know, people, of, of course you teach math but then you don't have the mat with the straps and we don't have the mat with the pole or, you know, you know, all these little accessories that usually helps people in the studio. And so I just basically went to the wall, right? So I went to the wall and I uh, combined my wall exercises with mats and, you know, using the broom, the stake of the broom and using all this piece of equipment um, to help them online. And, you know, now I see a little bit at a time that people are coming starting to come back to the studio, mostly my students really, because they really want to practice with each other. Um, Of course, we use all the precautions uh, to be able to keep everybody safe and wash everything afterwards. Everybody wears masks and yeah, but uh, it's been, um, it's been extremely difficult. Yeah.
0: And in terms of online, is that the reason why you started your Online two programs, Joe? Was that the
1: motivation? No. um, I started that almost five years ago, uh, the first one. And the second one actually will be 100% rolled out uh, a week and a half from now. But I started because I was traveling all around the country and the world. And I was somewhere, I think in Australia, and someone said to me, Well, when are you coming back for the next workshops in this series? And I said, I'll be back next year, like that. And they were like, next year? I have to wait a year before I continue in the study? And it just kind of planted a seed in my... It, it actually was the fertile ground for the seed that had already been planted. My son, who's in his early 30s, had said I should be going online. And Simona had said it would have been a good idea. And a few other people did. And it really just, it caught me at that moment. And... and and so I started a ways ago, and I already had a lot of DVDs. I had 13 DVDs. So I dumped them in right away, and I've been loading seven, now 10 videos a week into it. Wow. And I'm now over 2,150 videos in the Learn Muscles Continuing Education. And it's it has a lot of anatomy, physiology. It has an entire Pilates folder with a lot of Pilates content. As a yoga folder. It has a an assessment folder, a pathomechanics folder. It has a a complementary alternative medicine, but it's mostly manual therapy and movement therapy. And then I began the Muscle Anatomy Masterclass, which is an organized class of five videos per muscle that covers, well, I mean, not everyone has to always look at everything, but it has near 1,000 video lessons in it. And um, that's my new baby. How does
0: someone join?
1: You go to my website and it's a, it's a streaming subscription. You can do it monthly. You can do it yearly. And uh, you just go to my website and you'll see What's you know, your the website for each one. What's your website, Oh, Of course, uh, <laughs> learnmuscles.com, www.learnmuscles, one word, dot com.
2: Okay. Simona, what is your website? My website is uh, artofcontrol.com www.artofcontrol.com and you two are
0: writing a book together
2: uh yeah well joe has written many many books uh but this one that i wrote was with joe <laughs> uh,
1: Yes, <yeah. laughs> simone is the principal <laughs> author by far
2: um, and when will that be published uh, this is going to actually be coming out uh, within the next few weeks. So we exciting, exciting. Yes, uh, I've been writing this book for over fifteen years, and finally Joe came and said, "Okay, I can't take this anymore. I got to organize it for you because otherwise you never get it out." And in fact, that's happening. So um, I'm really, really excited. It's beautiful.
0: it, yeah. it sounds it sounds wonderful. One last question. For both of you, in terms of Pilates instructors in particular, but maybe this would just apply to anyone. We're still in a bit of a quandary and uh, uncertain times. Do you give or do you offer advice or do you have advice that you can share with those listening that may be having some downtime and not feeling like? when all of this is going to end how can they keep their spirits up
2: yeah um the only thing i want to say is that we all need the time to reinvent ourselves at some point or another and this is a beautiful time to do it um not just because we're home and we have the extra time but also because we wanted to, I think people need to see this world a little differently and everything starts with us, right? Everything starts by doing yourself. So, um, when you stuck, whether or not it's now at home or you stuck in that relationship or you stuck at work or you stuck with yourself, the, you know, the thing is you have to be able to progress. You have to step out. And you have to be able to find something that will give you uh, a different flavor to make you feel different, to look different, to try different, you know, uh, characters on, on yourself and be able to then progress, get unstuck. And I just wanted to say the last thing about Romana is that She was so into the imagination. She gave me so much, but just teaching me how to use imagination uh, besides all the other terms that we learned with her. But because the imagination is where you create your world, it's not just to uh, use it for your teaching how to imprint one vertebra at a time on the mat. It's actually how to see yourself like moving and be able to get unstuck in some places of your body or in your mind, how to get out of situations, how to be smart to know what you uh what's good for you, what's not good for you. Like you know, you were between imagination and tuition. These are the things that she taught me and I I I use them every day in my own life generally, just not in Pilates. So uh you know, trying—that's what I would say to anybody. Just try to find something that makes you move, gives you something different to reinvent yourself or uh, create a better of you. You know, uh, image of yourself and uh, progression, progression, progression.
0: Thank you, Sumona. That's lovely, Joe. I'm going to give you the last word.
1: I would just say that every obstacle is also an opportunity, and. For those of us who are fortunate enough not to have become very ill, passed away, or or maybe become ill and and healed, hopefully that I look at this time as therefore the opportunity Simona said to reinvent. It's a reset. We can reset our lives. The world has stopped to some degree. And speaking for me, I'm doing Pilates more. I'm spending more time with Simona. I'm FaceTiming and spending time more with family and friends around the world than I ever did before. I'm playing piano more than I ever did before. Um we have an opportunity if we are fortunate enough to be healthy but you know locked in our home more to take opportunity and movement is critically critically valuable especially toward making us feel better with all ways not just our body but our spirit. So this is an opportunity for people to learn, study, move, interact, communicate, connect.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Joe Muscolino and Simona Cipriani. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you so much for your um, program. It's really uh, delightful to be part of it. And thank you for inviting us. Honor and
1: pleasure, Darian. Thank you.
2: If you're appreciating this podcast, a great way to show it
0: is to write a review. It really helps others find the show. All Things Pilates is produced and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Podcast production is provided by Audio Ephemera. I'm Andy, the audio engineer for all things Pilates, and I'm also a student of Darien's. My Pilates practice has strengthened my core and, more importantly, given me a new awareness of my body and its abilities. Darien doesn't hold back, but it's fun, and I always leave my sessions feeling energized. And I'm not the only one. Hi, this is Beatrice from Germany. I have been practicing Pilates with the two Darien Gold apps since 2012. Now in summer
1: 2020, I was happy to discover that she was offering online classes, even some that I could participate despite of the time difference of nine hours.
0: I was a bit skeptical too if this would work at all. But it turns out that she's a wonderful instructor. She sees everything and corrects you in your positions but there's also a lot of fun as well. And it's so nice to exercise together with many people from all over the world that share the same ambition and motivation and spirit. Visit DarianGold.com to view her online class schedule. Also, try one of her apps, available on the App Store or Google Play. And to keep up with Darian and all her new interviews, subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, health is wealth.